You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Okay, so we're in Luke, uh, we're still in chapter 1, and today I've got a real privilege of speaking to you about joy, rejoicing. We want to be a people of joy, uh, even if you're thinking maybe not sort of religiously, but you're just thinking, I want joy, who doesn't want joy? Well, today we're going to look at what brings true joy. What brings true joy? What better subject could you think of to be encouraged on a Sunday morning? I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in to it. Father, we thank you so much that your intention for your people is that they be filled with joy. Your intention is that they bubble up with joy. That out of the overflow of their hearts, their mouths speak joy. We thank you. This is the grace of God to us, that we're a people who know peace, who know fun, who know smiles and laughter. Thank you. You've changed everything for us. We are people who know hope. And I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, please do a work among us that we would receive the joy that is available to us in Jesus. Show us Jesus. Minister to us. Help us to know peace, to celebrate excitement, fun, that Christmas time will be a time where we know what we're celebrating. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So we're, we're still in chapter one, but this is the last message in chapter one. And we're looking at two heartfelt songs today, two heartfelt songs that come at the end of the chapter. They're prophetic songs. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means that it's not just people speaking, but God is speaking through people. The Spirit of God is speaking through people. They are full of rejoicing. They're overflowing with joy. The Bible says, as I just prayed, that out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And their hearts are full of rejoicing. I wonder what your heart song is right now. I wonder if you were to ask that question. What is my heart song? Their heart song is rejoicing. Is yours, is yours a murmur? Is it a dirge? Is it perhaps quite a pessimistic song? Perhaps it's exhausted. Perhaps it's jingle bells. Christmas is coming. Perhaps it's heartache or weariness. Perhaps you're quite burdened. Your heart song at the moment is perhaps one of a bruised heart. Well, today there is comfort for you here. You've come to the right place. Because we share with each other the one who soothes and the one who comforts. We share good news. We come together to be uplifted by good news, specific news that is good for every one of you in here today. Maybe you're one of those people who says, I have joy. I have a deep joy. Very deep. Perhaps it's too deep. As I said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. I was reading in Matthew 12 recently, and Jesus said, you will be judged by our words. I was convicted. I thought, what are my words? They're often pessimistic, or they're often grumbling. I want to be someone who the evidence from my heart comes out in my face, and my words. Perhaps if you're one of those people who says, I don't want to have to be all jolly. It's too cheesy. I don't like it. Well, Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and then puts a bowl over it. Let your light shine. So actually, I don't think it's okay for us to really have that kind of attitude that, well, my joy is deep. I don't have to prove it to anyone. 
Jesus says, let your light shine. And today we see two people who are shining brightly. So we pick up the story, and I'm going to start in verse 46, but I'll just set the scene because we did miss a little bit. Mary, who is now pregnant with Jesus, has come to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is Zechariah's wife. We spoke about Zechariah a few weeks ago where Gabriel came to him, and he did not believe what Gabriel said, that you will have a child. And Gabriel said, well, you're going to have to be muted then. He scolded him. He was muted. He couldn't speak. And up until this point, Zechariah still can't speak. But his wife is pregnant, and Mary has come to visit Elizabeth because Elizabeth is her cousin. It's been a crazy few weeks of angels visiting people and telling them they're going to have babies. That's what's been going on. And when Elizabeth sees Mary, she's overwhelmed with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. And she's so excited and so full of joy that she ends up saying this very significant line, which I think might be 45. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what God spoke. This is Elizabeth saying this, and part of me can't help but wonder if mute Zechariah is within earshot. And Elizabeth's having a bit of a dig. Blessed is she who believed Zechariah. What the angel spoke. And he's sitting there with his little pallet, turns it around, ha ha. <laughs> he can't speak. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God spoke to her from the Lord. Part of me, oh yeah, I've said that bit. <laughs> so now she's welcomed Mary. Mary breaks out into this song, and the first few chapters of Luke. It's a bit like a West End show. There's these songs going, we're breaking out in songs. Suddenly there's a choir of angels. There's songs everywhere. And here is the first one. Verse 46, we pick it up. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy." as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. And next, the next section is about the birth of John the Baptist, Elizabeth and Zechariah's baby boy. Her friends and family rejoice with Elizabeth and expect her to name the baby after its father. But she says the baby will be called John, as the angel had commanded. And they asked Zechariah, and he writes on his tablet, it's funny they had them back then as well, that the name would be John. He has learned his lesson. He chooses to honor what God spoke through the angel. He wouldn't believe before. Now he's in a place of being humbled. He believes what God says. And as he says this, or as he writes this, his name will be John. His mouth is miraculously opened. He was able to speak. And as they hear, his, they hear him bless God, 
they're amazed. And it says fear came upon those looking on. Isn't that interesting that the power and mercy of God evokes fear and awe? And news spread around all the region that God had moved and people started to wonder, what's going to become of this child? Obviously, God is involved with this. So we pick it up in verse 67. And his father, father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. These are great lines here. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. What a line. You want joy? Sunrise visiting you. What a poetic line to say joy is coming. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. These are heartfelt songs of rejoicing, joy. What, is, what, what words does the phrase or does the word joy evoke in your heart and in your mind? Joy is a happy heart. It's a happy heart. Do you have a happy heart? Do you long to have a happy heart? A light-heartedness? Are you weighed down with burdens? Are you weighed down with responsibilities? Are you able to laugh and joke? Free and liberated from worry and anxiety. Wouldn't that be nice? Are you somebody who knows you struggle with anxiety and worry? Being at peace. Relief. As I was just thinking of the word joy, I thought, I just, sometimes I just would love to know relief. Stuff is sorted. I don't have to, what about this? What about this? Relief. Joy. Peace. Assurance. Maybe that's what you're worried about. Maybe you can get anxious about. Are things going to go okay? Joy is, is, has assurance with it. Things will be okay. There is assurance. Being loved and understood. What about captivated by beauty? Joy is being captivated by beauty. Expectant of goodness. Not pessimistic, but hope-filled. Expectant of goodness. So we're going to look at four things that we see in these songs that bring joy. The question being, what brings true joy? What brings true joy? And the, all four of them are answers that we see in these songs. One, believe in God. Believe in God brings joy. Do you want to know greater joy in your life? Believe in God will bring joy. These people, Zechariah, Mary, they could easily have not believed God. Zechariah went through that, and he came out the other side believing God. And out of this mute man, suddenly this bursting forth, this prophetic poem or song that he speaks out. Believing God brings joy. Not just that they will have kids. They're not just, you know, I have got faith that I will have this child. 
But everything God says about this child, they're now believing. They're now standing on the goodness of what God says. And if you notice in the verses throughout the songs, they speak in past tense. This is what God has done. This is what God has done, they talk about, even though it's just beginning. They're just in the first few weeks and months and of what God is doing. They speak, God has done something. He's accomplished. This is what has happened. They are completely assured of what God is doing. They take God's promises as their reality. These are not just possibilities. Well, God spoke. Well, let's see what happens. God spoke. This is our new reality. This is the new reality that I now stand in. They speak as though his promises are accomplished for them. And that his promises shape their future. But also that the current promises are a culmination of his promises to his people throughout history. You notice they keep referring to, this is what he has said to our forefathers, to Abraham. This is what he spoke. They, keep, they, they speak, God has, is fulfilling what he has always said he would fulfill. They're not trying to work it out. Are you somebody who tries to work it out? Well, I just have to, I have to get my head around all of this. There won't be as much joy in that as if you say, I'm going to believe what God says. I'm going to believe not just with my head, but with my heart. There's a heart belief that they have that bursts over into joy and into praise. American evangelist in the 19th century called D.L. Moody says this, Take the promises of God, let a man feed for a month on the promises of God, and he will not talk about how poor he is. You hear people say, oh, my leanness, how lean I am. Not these days, but in these days you do. And it's not their leanness, it's their laziness. If you would only read from Genesis to Revelation and see all the promises made by God to all his people everywhere, if you would spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God, you, would be going about, you wouldn't be going about complaining how poor you are. You would lift up your head and proclaim the riches of his grace because you couldn't help doing it. These people have fed and themselves and gorged on the promises of God and it is overflowing. They can't help but doing it. Proclaiming the riches of his grace. God has spoken. There's so much joy in receiving what God says to be true. Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table before me. The promises of God are like a feast. Psalm 19 says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Wow, there's joy. And not just momentary flittering joy, but deep joy. God's promises are things I can stand on. They're precious. They're more precious than gold. They're sweeter than honey. I want to hold on and believe what God says. Jesus says we hear his words and do them. It's like building your house on a rock. And these people are 
declaring the goodness of God. They're believing what God has said. Secondly, humbling yourself and being God-focused. What brings joy? What brings true joy? Humbling yourself and being God-focused. We're living at a time where we're encouraged to be very self-focused, self-centered. In a time of loneliness and isolation, it's very easy to default to looking after number one. Even if we weren't in this time, the bent of the human heart is to go that way. I think it's even more encouraged these days. Those in Christ have been given a new heart. But there's still a conflict. We need to put our old self-focused self to death. Mary has been given huge responsibility. You know, we heard a few weeks ago, she's a teenager. She's a young teenager. Perhaps as young as 13, 14, 15. A young teenager. This mission that she's been given will mean difficulty. It will mean rejection. It will mean pain. Literal, physical pain. It will mean sacrifice. Anybody who's been a parent knows it's sacrificial. It's hard work. It's a mission. It's a task. It's hard work. She could so easily say, this is not fair. I'm 14 years old. This is not fair. I can't do this. I can't carry that weight. There's no way I can do that. It's too much for me. I can't do it. That could easily be her answer. Or she could go the other way. I, I can do this. I'm going to do a great thing for him. I'm going to do a great thing for him. Self-focused. No. What is her response? 46 to 49. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She's not thinking about what great things she's going to do for him. She's thinking about what great things he's done for her. But Mary, you're going to go through so much. It's going to be so difficult. There'll be people after you. You're going to have to move. At one point, she didn't even know if her, her fiancé was going to accept or reject her. But my soul magnifies the Lord. He's done great things for me. She is totally taken up with God. If you want more joy, be taken up with him. What he's done for you. Sometimes my kids respond at being asked to do a menial job like close the fridge door with utter despondency. Oh, do I have to? Oh, You know, I, I, my heart's response to them is, do you know how much your mum does for you? Think about how much is done for you. Not, oh, I had to shut the door. Be overwhelmed with what he's done for you. Mary, what a beautiful response. This young girl, wow, the Lord is overwhelming me. But Mary, look at this task. This is going to change your whole life. But I am overwhelmed with him. He's done great things for me. And Zechariah is the same. He's been given a son. And there are promises around his son that mean there will be great sacrifice. It's almost like saying, I'm going to give you a son, but he's not really going to be yours. He's going to be mine. And Zechariah could have thought, but wait a minute. I, we're in our old age. We're finally getting this child that we've always wanted. 
And now you're saying he's going to have to do all this stuff. He's going to be yours. Great sacrifice was going to come for Zechariah. I think it's, it's worth pointing out here, children can be a big idol. Many homes are child-centered homes. The parent's desire is a great desire to love the children, but it can get unhealthy, and the lives of the household and priorities revolve around the children. Here's a man who is finally told he will have a child, and he's more focused on the glory of God than on this child. He's more focused on, God, you have been so good to me. He's more concerned about God's plans for his child than his own plans for his child. If you're a parent, are you more concerned about God's plans for your child? Are you prepared to give your child over to God? Can I urge you, love your children well by loving God more. Showing them that he is more important than they are. This will bring you greater joy, and it will bring your children greater joy. It will. For them to know, I'm not the center of the world. I'm not even the center of this household. I'm not even the center of my father's heart. God is the center. God is first. Christmas time is coming. This is a perfect opportunity to display to your children, this is all about Jesus. This is all about the mercy of God to us. Jesus Christ coming to us. It's not about you, kids. I love you having fun. And please don't hear me wrong. We're going to celebrate with our kids. We're going to have fun. We're going to do all sorts of silly traditional things that have nothing to do with Jesus. But we're going to say this is about Jesus. Our hearts are taken up with him. This is amazing. I'm going to sing carols with tears in my eyes. This is incredible, kids. I want to, I want to see dads standing and worshipping with their arms raised because their kids are watching. That's a good reason to do it. Because your kids need to see, my dad loves Jesus. Let our homes be centered on Jesus. John the Baptist was not brought up by parents who were focused on John the Baptist. They were focused on God. And what effect did this have on John? Because you, I understand, I'm a parent of three boys, the fear that comes, will they be okay? Will they be okay? Will, will they be good at this? Will they be safe? Will they be all right? Will they be great? What happens to John the Baptist? What does Jesus say about John the Baptist? Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He says there's no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. Do you want your child to be great? Don't revolve your world around them. You want God to say that they're great? Be more taken up with God than you are with your children. That's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring them joy. Thirdly, being filled with the Holy Spirit brings us true joy. The angel had told Mary that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would conceive. And then later we just read, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? Maybe you're here today and you think, what is this? Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are God, the Godhead together. He is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling power of God. He is the intimacy of God, the supernatural presence of God to us. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes it possible to be a believer. 
He impregnates us. He impregnated Mary. He impregnates us with a desire and affection for God, a knowledge of God. And it also points, the Bible does, to the Holy Spirit filling us with power, bearing fruit in our lives, giving us supernatural gifts. It's quite easy to think, I will go so far with Christianity, and when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's as far as I go, because that's weird. That's supernatural. That's me out of my control, out of my comfort zone. I'll tell you from experience, and this is heart-wrenching for me. Lately, this has been my experience. If you want to destroy and kill true joy, be cynical about the Holy Spirit. If you want to kill off your joy and be a miserable Christian, be cynical about the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, time and time again, it calls us to not quench and deny the Spirit, not to despise his gifts, and rather we're called to fan into flame the gifts he gives. Walk in step with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. We fear gullibility, don't we? We think, I'm not going to be one of those gullible, naive weirdos. And we can pretend that pessimism is wisdom. I'm very discerning about the, the, the Spirit. I reject him at all costs. <laughs> Very discerning. No, that's, that's what the Bible calls us not to do. We forfeit the joy of knowing intimacy with God if we quench the Spirit. The lifeblood of our relationship with God, even reading the Word all the time, will be useless if we deny the Holy Spirit the ability to open our eyes, soften our hearts, love us through the Word. Do not quench the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. If you want joy, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. If you're somebody who says, I don't know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, ask God, God, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. Send me your Holy Spirit. Pour your Holy Spirit off on me. In fact, this, why not do it right now? Father, there are those in here now that would love to know the touch of your Holy Spirit. And there's something in them that stops them. Maybe it's cynicism, pride, whatever. Would you just come by your Holy Spirit now? We ask you for people today to know, I came in that building dry, cold, Mute, I left singing his praises because the Spirit of God met with me. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name and meet with these people. Wake our hearts up. I pray banish pessimism, banish cynicism, skepticism about your Holy Spirit's work. Let us be a people who say, I'm willing to look gullible. I'm willing to look foolish. I'm not going to forfeit the love of God in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fourthly, what brings true joy? The person and work of Jesus Christ. The person and work of Jesus. The greater glory that Mary and Zechariah are taken up with throughout both of their songs is what God is doing and bringing into the world. Not just, here's my boy. Here's my boy. Here's, we've got a son. No, God is doing something wonderful in the world. God is coming into the world. 
I heard somebody say yesterday, a preacher say, he was on a table with people from lots of different religions. And they were talking about how basically all our gods are the same. All the religions at the foundation are really the same. And he said, it sounds like you're saying it's a bit like being on a mountain or going up a mountain. God's at the top and we're all just coming at it from different angles. And they said, yeah, that's about right. He said, the difference with Christianity is our God came down the mountain. You can't get up to him. He comes down to you. We don't need to go to him. If you're here today thinking, man, this is hard work. Please, will you stop and let him come to you? This is the Christian God. Jesus Christ came into the world to pursue us. Those who were lost, he came and said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Zechariah in his prophecy in verses 77 to 79 says this. This is, um, he was saying that his son would prepare the way of the Lord. This is the Lord. To give knowledge of salvation to his people. The forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Salvation is coming. Salvation gives them joy. The person and work of Jesus Christ has come to give them what they most desperately need. I was going to read from Hebrews 1. They've talked about uh, prophecies. They've talked about what was promised to them long ago. Hebrews 1 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to the heir of all things. Also, he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He's the son of the father. He is the way to salvation. He is what they are taken up by at heart. Salvation has come. It's not just some crazy plan. It's not just angels coming and giving us strange promises. Salvation is coming through Jesus. If you want to find great joy, come to Jesus. A man called John Owen, very fruitful pastor in the 17th century, after burying 10 children, 10 of his own children. Can you imagine the pain of having to bury your own children after having imprisoned at once? Or twice for, for trying to, to shepherd his own church well. He was able to say this. A due contemplation of the glory of Christ will restore and compose the mind. Jesus Christ fulfilling my horizon. A man who has, who has had ten children die. Who has been imprisoned because he was trying to love people well. Is able to say this. When I contemplate Jesus, when I'm overwhelmed with him, he is the sovereign antidote to discouragement. He is the sovereign antidote to misery. Let me encourage the band, uh, ask the band to come. We're going to worship. We're going to finish just by rejoicing. We've got so much to rejoice about. Lifting our eyes up, saying, God, you've done it. What I couldn't do, you've done it. 
If you want true joy and all that is within it, peace, relief, safety, assurance, real comfort, real love, put your belief in God today. Make him the focus of your life. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit without cynicism. Come to Jesus who is the light. Jesus has brought the sunrise of a new day. He's brought the sunrise of a new life, a new people. Let's let our hearts sing with joy. Let's let our hearts rejoice. We don't need to have a, a sort of big response about pain and suffering. We just come and say, wow, let's rejoice together. Let's be a people of joy. Let the walls come down. Perhaps you know, yeah, I just need to let the walls come down. I've been trying to do it in my own steam. I've been being cynical. I've been being cross about things. It's a moment just to say thank you. Say, God, you, you take up my horizon. You're bigger than all my plans. You're bigger than my household. You're where I find true joy. We just stand. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to encourage us. Let's go for it and sing together. Father God, what a father. What a father. You've loved us so incredibly well. You're a faithful God who we can believe. You overwhelm our lives and put things in perspective in the right order. You're our priority, Lord. You're the first. You're the focus of our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you. We ask you, please, open the eyes of our hearts. Please, wipe away all the, all the cynical, judgmental, misery that we keep your arm's length. Come and overwhelm us, Holy Spirit. John, you're going to have to call to Touch us. Beth. Touch us, Holy Spirit. And Jesus, you are wonderful. Jesus, you are the lamb that was slain. You're the God who comes to us in our filth, in our mess, and lifts us up. Thank you. We rejoice. We find our joy in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.